Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am Mary Catherine Ham. I'm your host. We are your morning show for any hour, getting you through the news this week, but not freaking you out. It's nice and chill. How's it going, Vic? This is my uh, co-host, Vic Mattis of the Free Beacon. Hello, Mary Catherine. <laughs> yes, I love that on shows when, you know, you get the, the word in just part of it and you're listening and you hear people go, eh. Uh, it, yeah, so anyway, but hi, Mary Kath. I'm doing. You know what? That's yeah. just good social skills, Vic. <laughs> that's, that's that's right. I, I I'm hanging in there. You know, I've got this. I've got this big blood test, and I've been really trying to game it by not eating anything. And as a result, I think I almost went into a diabetic like coma today. Oh, no. Like I was like clammy and t you know like 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 lightheaded. It's too ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So I finally ate and then had a couple Girl Scout cookies. I feel magically better. Oh, Why, I just wait for those the results. That was the right choice, I'm just sure. Just wait for those results. I'm really just going to, it's going to be ridiculous. But enough about me. I want to hear about you. And I think our listeners want to know, how are you? I'm doing okay. First of all, I read my glucose book too late to help you. I should yeah. have I should have briefed you on this earlier, and then you would have known that yeah, I've been maybe avoiding a handful bread. of Girl Scout cookies wasn't the greatest. Yeah. I waited till after lunch to have the cookies. I've okay, been thinking so about it. I've been thinking. I said thing, I had salad thing. first. Yes. But yeah, we've had a we've had quite a week over here. Yes. So last week I kept my oldest out of school on Friday, which we don't do super often. We have mm -hmm. the, luckily have healthy family, children with robust immune systems. It's lovely. So we don't have that happen very often, but she had a pretty high fever on Thursday night and I kept her home Friday. Fever was over 103, mm. which is not common around here, but it was didn't seem like a huge deal. Yeah. It was handled fine with Tylenol. The next day she seemed fine but of course i didn't send her to school and saturday and sunday tired yeah lasted longer than i thought it would because mm -hmm. usually she bounces back pretty fast she was warm but nothing nothing i don't yeah. think anything above 100 over the weekend okay it was lingering and then right and then sunday evening she had a a little what we were not sure at the time, but seemed like sort of an episode mm -hmm. where I couldn't tell if she was just tired and groggy or because she'd been napping part of the day. Sure. You know how that can yeah, happen. Yeah, of course, it get confused. Or if she was being obstinate, which uh -huh. sometimes nine-year-olds can be. Mm -hmm. And we were trying to work on homework and it wasn't working. And then I started asking her questions that I knew she knew the answers to. And she was having some trouble answering them. Oof. And her sister asked her something about Harry Potter that she definitely should have known. And she answered incorrectly. And I thought, that is very weird. So my gut said, don't like that. Yeah. I went and talked to my husband about it. He checked her vitals. He's a trained as a medic. So he, he checked on her and everything seemed fine. And we gave her some dinner and 30 minutes later, she seemed herself again. So we thought, no big deal. Yeah. I was like, Weird. it must have been low blood, low blood sugar yeah. or something, yeah, right? That's, that's me now, yeah. So the, <laughs> right. so the next day, I keep her home from school again because I thought, well, this seemed odd, so let's, let's let her rest. She comes up to do some homework with me voluntarily, and we start working, and I'm getting frustrated, but then I think to myself, wait a second, this seems like more than our normal lack of understanding, right? This is a strange level. Yeah. So once again, I start asking her some questions. And once again, the answers are odd or the, the speech pattern is odd. Yeah. I thought, okay, this is bothering me. Things, so. things that you as a mother will know. Yes. So I yeah. call the pediatrician. I say, can you guys get us in quickly? And they said, sure, come up here in the next 30 minutes. So I went up there. They evaluate her and they confirm, yes, this seems like an altered mental status. And you oh. should take her over to the ER. So I did that again, no fever, maybe a little congestion. Mm -hmm. We leave there and we go over to the ER at Innova Fairfax Children's Hospital and I'll shout them out because they were wonderful. We go over there. Innova Fairfax or Fair Oaks? Fairfax. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and they have a specific children's wing. Good, Good. And a specific children's yes. ER. Yes. And we get admitted fairly quickly, which 
you gotta love that. Definitely. They didn't have a bed right away, but they had. We were in one of those hallway br- hallway sure. beds, and so we're we're hanging out there. And sh- you know, my my kid, who is normally extremely verbal, is pretty vacant and very quiet, and again, very much not herself. Mm-hmm. And so I explain all this to the doctor, and she runs through some questions with her, and it's getting increasingly problematic. Like, questions like. Questions about how many siblings she has. Wow. Yeah. That she's not sure about. And we put a book in front of her and asked her to read, and she couldn't. And sort of staring off. It was uh, disconcerting, to say the least. How are you handling this as a mother? Are you keeping it together, or were you starting to? I am, I would say, not to pat myself on the back, I am oddly calm in situations like this. So. I just tried to get as much information as I could to the doctor and tried to take in as much information as I could from her. And then we went forward with all the tests. (laughs) So she, you know, and that doctor, I I love setting expectations. The doctor, the ER doc, after examining her, says, you know, we're going to do all these tests. I want to warn you that we might not have an exact answer very quickly because it looks like all of her vitals and things are reading normally and uh-huh. it may be that the rest of the stuff reads normally so just be patient with us yeah. but i don't think you're going home tonight uh-huh. and so i i said okay yeah. and amazingly i had prepared myself i know vic that doesn't sound like Did me, you have a, your go but, bag for her or? yeah so in between the pediatrician and the er of course i want to get her to the er quickly yeah, yeah, of course but we ran by the house and I got, which is very close uh-huh. to the pediatrician, uh-huh. and got Good. her a change of clothes. Uh-huh. I got her some snacks that we could eat, Good. some books, yeah. and my chargers for my electronics. Yes. I was very proud of that. That's myself. everything. So, <laughs> charger. Forget so about the go, toothbrush. It's, as long but, as you have your charger. Yeah. Actually, I think I did grab a toothbrush. Very good. So I... I run in, and one of the things I got, by the way, is because I thought, you know, she's not feeling well. Her t- her stomach seemed fine most of the time, mm-hmm. but she's not feeling well. What does she eat? And this child eats would live on fruit and carbs sure. alone if we let her. So I just grabbed an entire loaf of bread, <laughs> carried it into the ER. Just break off pieces through the day. You know, look, you gotta you gotta yes. do what you gotta do. So they get us back into like a more formal room. She gets the IV. We start running all the tests and all the blood tests. And unfortunately for us, a lumbar puncture to determine whether this might be meningitis or encephalitis. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. So stressful. But again, the professionals over there just beautifully done. Everyone was so competent and cool and nice to her. And they had all these child life specialists, which if you have a kid in the hospital, you should request. They're sort of advocates who speak kid language and they explain things to them in a very friendly way. Some doctors are great at that. And we had many that were, Mm -hmm. others are not. So you have somebody there who's just sort of running them through what to expect. So she did great. She was extremely brave through all of this. And I should fast forward just to not freak everybody out. She is home with us now again. I thought you were going to say that to the end of the show. <laughs> oh, no. this has been a nebulous media podcast. By the way, she's home. <laughs> By the way, she's okay. So she's back home with us now. We did a yeah. bunch of tests. We ended up staying for two, two nights. It was yeah. a three-day stay. Two nights and uh, most of two days. Well, almost three days. And she tested negative for everything could they could test yeah, her for yeah, the, which is on stuff. one hand great on the other hand we don't know exactly what happened the diagnosis is encephalitis which is an inflammation of the brain yep. her mri had nothing alarming on it there's no trauma there's no bleeding the other tests they gave her all sort of coming up with nothing yeah and the theory which and i've talked to actually during this process many parents to whom this has happened where it's just like a virus takes a weird turn in yeah. a kid's body. Goes up and into the brain. Yeah, and it does this, it's and it's very scary. Yeah. But she is now back to her normal self. She woke up on Wednesday morning, chatty McChatterson, and I was never happier to have oh. my ear talked off because it had been quite a yeah. quite a spell there where I hadn't heard her 
style of talk. And it was funny explaining to the doctors, because of course the doctors don't know your kids, so they don't know what the baseline is. Right. And they're like, so there's this, this is very off for her. And I was like, oh yes, let me, I walked into the room one time when she was still not really herself, but she came she became herself for a uh-huh. moment and said something to me where she said, Mom, she was eating Italian ice from the cafeteria. And she yes. said, Mom, do you remember that time that we had went to the gelato place in the depths of the art museum? <laughs> By which she means the basement of the National Gallery of Art. That's... And so I told the doctors, that is the level of sentence yeah, that yeah. We're, we normally get from her. Right. So to have her be pretty vacant and not jumping into conversation is very strange. Wednesday morning, after many tests and you know the hospital where you don't get a ton of sleep Mm -hmm. and it's hard to eat because they're making you fast for other things i got a bunch of calories in her that night and then i was like let's just like get her rested up and she did she did get a lot more sleep that night and she woke up that morning just like her again and it was wonderful and i i didn't say anything on the podcast earlier this week because I didn't have really any answers and we had tons of close family and friends praying for us and 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 the school of course and so she's she's taking the week off of school but we are (laughs) but we are on the track of recovery we will have follow-ups just to make sure that everything's okay but it was we got again we got great treatment I didn't feel like sometimes with hospital settings it depends you can feel dismissed or yeah like you're not being told all the information and a lot's changed since the last time I was in a hospital and now you have access to charts and you like everyone there was very inviting of questions and treated Steve and me like adults who could discuss these things. And so I felt very respected, which makes the whole process easier. She was very brave, which makes the process easier. And although we do not have an answer per se, I feel quite confident that this is not a cliff that we're falling off of this was right. this was vast improvement it seems like it was just this odd moment in time and we will do a follow-up and of course if we see symptoms again we would take a different tack but yeah we had a we had a week Vic <laughs> thank God that she's feeling better I'm Woo! sure I'm sure she didn't mind being out of school for a few days. No, and she did get a lot of screen time, which she okay, doesn't yeah. normally well, no, get. Well, okay, there's that. She but. wasn't she wasn't up for reading, so she got to watch a lot of cartoons. And I was glad to see after Monday and Tuesday when she wasn't super yeah. herself that by Wednesday she could recall all the stuff she Good. had watched. Good. So Good. everything was running in there. Yes, yes. Like- but yeah, we the, the parents, actually Steve had flown to Florida in the morning on Monday for a work thing and hit the ground and got right on a flight to come back and we just sort of traded off throughout the yeah throughout the time he did nights i did days and yeah and you managed to fit in a podcast episode a full episode i remember we thought oh let's just keep it short because you know with everything that's going (laughs) on and then man we stretched that out yeah, you know, probably probably helpful for me to just chatter now, about other things I, during I, that time. I did have a question for you, and that had to do... Well, the first question was, did Fairfax Inova have a lot of hospitalists? In other words, you know, uh, doctors who you see on a rotation during the day, and then they're gone, and there's like a shift, and then you have different doctors every day or something Yes, like we did We did have different doctors, yeah, although we still saw thing. sort of a cast of characters okay. come mm-hmm in and out and then we had a neurology consult yeah and so she visited us several times so and that's the person that we'll follow up with so we do have people who we felt like saw her through the process right okay well that's good and i asked you before we right before we went on the air about her appetite and of course how is the hospital food which is i mean you know really something a lot of people wonder about no actually it's just me Again, again, I have to say, it's been a long time since I was in a hospital. Uh I think since since I delivered her was the last time that I was in a hospital and things have changed a lot. So we had room service menus, one for children and one for adults. And so I had adult food that I could get, and she had a whole range of chicken nuggets and milkshakes. That oh she my gosh! Could but, get. but she could order from the adult menu if she wanted to, depending on her appetite, yes. right? I mean, that's yes. the thing. I, you know, what I, I remember when I did a week long stint at a hospital. Goodness, back in 2015. 
you know, when I had this strep infection in, in you know, in my arm, and it's it's you know, you really collect odd ones. Mike. I do, I do. This it's, so I can I can I can relate to your daughter. The the you can really tell with you know the infection is you know going full force because you know you have no appetite and you always tell people. You know, they need to eat more. People who are sick, oh, can't you just eat more? You can't. You actually. Yeah. So I tried. I took, like, on the first full day in the hospital, I took a bite of a turkey sandwich, and I it revolted. I mean, I literally spit it out. I couldn't even have yeah. it in my mouth. I was like, I can't. It's weird that your body tells you this. And then as you improve, then I started to put, I started to have cereal, which I normally not a big fan of cereal in a bowl, and then and yogurt and things. And then, and then finally getting to full bore, like, sandwiches. And I remember on the, finally, like, the, the last day of my stay there after a week, I was surprised. I figured it takes forever to get discharged, but it was shorter time than I expected. They finally unhooked everything from my body. I had a pick line, so I had to go back for yeah. like infusions for antibiotics. But I was finally separated from all these cords and things, and I decided to sit on the on the, the little couch. And this is at Virginia Hospital Center, and I had gotten myself a full hamburger and fries, and <laughs> I'm eating it. The door opens because like the nurse thought that it was already vacated, so they can make room for right. the new patients. I'm like, still here. Sorry. Just spending some quality time with my Big Mac. In the hospital. I hope you don't mind. I'm just going to finish this burger and then finally got wheeled out. But man. I think I've mentioned it before, but it'll, you know how bad the food there was because after labor for like 12 hours and I hadn't eaten for probably more than that, 15 hours. Oh, that's they right. They gave me... I believe it was a chicken uh -huh. salad sandwich, I, something along those lines, something squishy. <laughs> and it was so oh. unappetizing that I didn't even enjoy it after 15 hours of yeah. not eating. That is a bad sign about the food. That was not the case at Innova Fairfax. Yeah, particularly yes. chicken salad. It was, uh, yeah, yeah, I know. We, we, got, mean, we got good stuff. Yeah. And so I, I was very I was very Beware. cognizant of getting her high-calorie foods just to, like, you know, I don't care if it's junk. We just need to get, you know, some fat oh, and sugars. Yeah. No, in, I, when, you, when you're at that stage, you just, whatever you want. Yeah, like, we, no want. broccoli for this kid. We're doing full no, 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 no. full chicken nuggets and pizza. Like, whatever you good. want. You want a chocolate cake? You get a chocolate cake. And she was very good sweet. She kept trying to save bits of her dessert for her sister <laughs> so i don't know oh. if it's gonna i don't know if it's gonna last till we get home yes she and like her hotel she and her sister missed each other a lot because they spend all of their time together gotcha. so that was that was different oh, that's for them great. and we are very very glad to have her back Thank and God. thankful for everyone uh, looking out for us and and offering to help i had a friend come over and hold the baby that night before steve got back just to like yep. just like let's get some hands on deck yep yeah, a bunch of people that. offered to bring us things. We ended up being in a in a very good place, but uh, but yes, that was I didn't enjoy that. I didn't enjoy it, but uh, but we came out it. strong. You got, yes, as you do, as you do. But yes, having having your uh, people. Have, there's that old line about having a kid is like having your heart walking around outside your body, and I would say having your kid in the hospital is like having. It's like a limb of yours is in the hospital. Like you're gonna you can function, but you're you're thinking about that. In the, in, the, in the room, were you able to, I assume it gets a hospital, you have to wear masks. Did you, were you able to take it off in the room? Off in the room and uh -huh. on in the hallways. Although there were Got plenty it. of times where if she's having a procedure and I'm somewhere where I need to have a mask on, I probably don't have it on because I'm comforting a child and yep. she needs to see my face. Yeah, it's so, scary when they... But it was not... Uh, what, it wasn't like a police state situation over there. Good. Also, I saw a picture sent to me by a friend today of the folks at Virginia Hospital Center going uh -huh. maskless on staff for the first time Whoa. in three years today. So that is Whoa. a change. That's a change that is happening. And that makes a perfect segue to our first topic in the news. <laughs> Do some COVID anniversary complaining. How's yeah. that sound? Happy anniversary! Happy COVID anniversary! Yes, New York, it's been three years. It's been three years, and the New York Times is doing a, a big now. It can be told. Oh yeah, yeah. We love a now. It can be told. <laughs> this is the headline: You don't need to disinfect so much. It turns out. <sighs> I love the subhead. By the way. 
You know, the subhead, quote, given the potential long-term health risks, it might be worth cutting back again. You don't say. Okay, so here, I'll read you a couple paragraphs. We now know that the extra cleaning was unlikely from the pandemic, was unlikely to have helped limit the spread of COVID-19, but it did increase people's exposure to the chemicals used in those products, some of which may be hazardous to health. Experts worry that repeated inhalation or skin contact can be harmful over time. Calls to poison control centers about cleaning chemicals also increased during the pandemic primarily for accidental or intentional ingestion. In some instances, like the start of a new mysterious pandemic, the immediate risk of infection is preeminent and outweighs any future potential consequences from chemical exposure. But since we now know that disinfecting isn't likely to protect us from COVID, it's worth taking stock of whether the risks of using certain products are greater than the rewards. There's that there's that really helpful risk analysis that would have been helpful in about yeah. summer of 2020. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I understand. I understand that at the outset, nobody knew anything. I get that. There was a lot of panic. There was a CNN segment where they had a reporter on one of the now vacated cruise ships and yeah. huge discovery that there were traces of COVID on a table inside a cabin on the cruise ship, and it was lingering there for over a week. And, you yeah. know, so everybody's like, that's it. Yeah. You got to put on the gown. You got to put on the hazmat outfit. By the way, there was one piece of misinformation from that time that led me to my somewhat relaxed stance on COVID, mm-hmm. which was, do you remember the, it can live on shoes for five days? Oh, yeah. You have to take his shoes, everything. Okay. Yeah. So when I heard that, which turned out not to be true, but when I heard that, I was like, all right, well, like, I'm not, I'm not playing defense to the, t- to the extent that I'm going to keep something that lives on shoes for five days the, out of my house. That's sh- not a the thing. The shoes, the shoes. Think about that. The shoes. So, so I concluded that like, this was bound to come my way eventually. And I should just accept that. It, it accepts it. Yeah. It just yeah. embrace it. Yeah. But a lot of people didn't accept that. And they instead accepted much of the New York Times's wrongheaded advice at the time the new york times notes in this piece that it admittedly contributed to this disinfecting frenzy yeah (laughs) with some stories from back then one entitled have i been cleaning all wrong (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, like like i I need to add more bleach and ammonia you know there's a there's a lovely combination for you let me just make some chlorine gas but at least it's clean you know uh chlorine chlorine gas will really clean out your house including all the humans from your house there are there are there are still restaurants that use you know qr codes and i don't think a lot of them are going back probably because it saves them money now because you can just do this digitally but for a lot of people if you don't happen to older people might not have their smartphone on them or whatever that's kind of a pain you know, well, and people, and like, I like menus, but I do too. I miss the menus and I'm sure it's yeah. the printing costs and all of that, that they're mm-hmm. getting rid of. I'm, I do miss menus and people in the service industry rightly point out our hypocrisy, which is that we will sit on our, some people will sit on their phones oh. all dinner long, but they Gross. won't look at it for a menu. They're disappointed that they don't oh. have a paper menu. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. I was going to say, but people are handling their phones, you know, people don't clean their phones a lot. And that's something that people should do. I mean, because that's, that's really dreary, depending on where you take your that's phone. A very you know? I, you know, I think that what it did was for anybody who has OCD tendencies, it brought out the worst, you know, people were spraying groceries. I know, I know a couple who sprayed their mail. You know, yeah, nice I think, folks, we, nice I think folks, we might have wiped down a few things a handful of times and we're oh like, my gosh, what are yeah. we doing? I don't think this yeah. is now. I thing. in general, I in general, I, I would recommend in general, you know, wash your hands. If you go to the supermarket, you, you know, you're pushing the carts. Those yeah. carts, man, are, it's pretty. But I, you know, those poor guys, you remember there was a time where there was somebody constantly wiping down the handles. Yes. You know, that was their full time job for a stretch of time. It, the supermarket is strictly wiping down handles. And then, you know, you would see some customers come in and they would put like a, a like a sheet over right the, the shopping cart and then they could put the food on it because they don't want it to touch the cart I mean it's get it was getting crazy it did get a little cra- I mean more yeah. than a little crazy there's a series of recent papers again I haven't delved into exactly how exact these these papers and the data are but a series of recent papers found high levels of the problematic thing in these cleaners QACs in the dust uh-huh. in people's homes in blood samples and even in breast milk the researchers measured levels of several different QACs common in cleaning products and compared the amounts present in 
2019 and 2020. QACs were detected in a vast majority of samples and in the dust and blood studies, the levels rose by an average of 70% after yep. the pandemic started. That, If that percentage is correct, that does seem like it could cause some issues. By the way, there's a nice tip in here. The New York Times is on it. This is this is about bleach, Vic. Are you ready for yes, this tip? Yes. Beach, yes the bleach. Bleach's corrosive nature means that it can be damaging to skin and eyes if contact occurs. So I want you to keep that in mind. You heard it here first in 2023. Bleach, don't touch it or drink it. That's right. That's right. And from now on, I'm never going to clean the shower. I'll make that somebody else's job. Yeah, I mean, just yeah, hand it over to someone else. The the cleanest person I know, Lindsay Fifield, who <laughs> some may know from Twitter sure, or from our sure, circles. Of course. Yeah. She cleans routinely with lemon and vinegar, lemon and white vinegar. Yes. Citric yeah, acid nat- and vinegar. They do the trick for basically everything. The old, the old fashioned, the old natural way, especially you get those water stains from hard water, vinegar distilled vinegar that'll do it it's funny because you know it's basic common sense that we knew even back then i understand that like we said you didn't nobody knew at the time but that said there's a basic understanding that the more you isolate yourself and the more you live let's say in a sterile environment there's no exposure to germs or as few germs as you can as you know as possible the more susceptible you are to getting floored by like a common cold You know, so you got to get out there. It's not healthy. Isolation is not healthy. I'm not saying to go full George Carlin. And if you don't know what I mean, just go to YouTube and type in George Carlin germs. He's hilarious. But, you know, I mean, and he jokes about taking it to the extreme where, you know, when he was a kid swimming in the East River, but also never washing his hands, even, you know, every once in a while from the bathroom. But not really. That's okay. I'm not going that. (laughs) But, you know, it's okay to have a little bit of germ. You got you got to have them. You got to have yeah. them. The doctors when we were in the hospital did note the the number of sort of weird viruses and hard hitting viruses really? that they've seen just because and you know again yeah, I'm not trained in this but the that does appear that many things are hitting kids harder perhaps because they were encountering oh, yes. for the first time. I do not think this is the case with my kid as she was exposed to a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I think right. she just had just draw the drew the wrong straw on this particular no, virus. That, that but, first full the first full year back, the first, you know, half of the year back from hybrid learning as it were. Yeah. You know, there were a lot of people were getting sick but just with basic colds and yep. badly, but it's because they just hadn't been exposed, right? Or what is it RS RSV? was one of the oh yeah rsv which which many had had you know it waited a cycle to to kick back up and boy did it kick back up big time that that one is really concerning for young kids but i do remember you know again having read this book cabin fever about the holland america ship that was stranded nobody wanted it and once you know they were full-on covid lockdown and everybody had to be you know isolated in their cabins you know, they had crew members who would wear the full hazmat outfit and spray the halls every yeah. day, just spraying all these gases, this mist. That's not good. Yeah, it's well, I'm good. glad I'm glad you said that, too, because you'll remember that during school closures, which is one of the more oh, obviously yeah. damaging COVID policies there was, extended school closures, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. those that went back hybrid often would go back for three, two, three right. days a week. And the reason they went back two to three days a week instead of five was because the schools and the school boards would say, what we have to do is we have to disinfect the whole school and every surface yeah. on Wednesday and on yeah. Friday. So you mm-hmm. guys can't come. And that was nonsense. And actually, for most of the time that they did that, we knew that that was not the case. Now, you can eliminate some other things. Like, I I believe flu is contact on surfaces. Sure. There are things that you can cut down on that way. COVID was not one of them. Norovirus, which is particularly a nasty gastrointestinal. That's an exciting cruise ship perk you can get sometimes. That that is. That is. And you have to to really beware of that. But, But again, we went to extremes. And a lot of people did the full, what I call the full Karen Silkwood. Yes. You know, it's... Yeah. Oh, I mean, it, they're, they're not in huge numbers, but there are people who are still living that way. And I, it's, it's such a huge disservice that, that we spent so much time validating that when yeah. we didn't yeah. need to, because I think it really leads to incredibly poor quality of life for a bunch of people. So, you know, I'm hoping we can dig out of it. But the chances that we can when we've got op-eds still running like this... 
in the Wall Street Journal, what worked against COVID, colon, masks, closures, and vaccines? This is from a doctor, or a, health, a public health yes. guy, who was, he was part of the New York Department of Health. He was the former CDC head from 2009 to 2017. And he writes this piece that basically just says, look, everything we did was awesome and saved a bunch of lives. <laughs> you know, you sent me the link and I said, oh, it's Wall Street Journal. This will be, they, they have some great stuff from Vivek Ramaswamy, one of our favorites, yes. as you know, or Marty yes. McCarry or whoever. And I said, oh, let me read this. And it's long and I'm going through it. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Where's the catch here? There's got to be a catch. And there were tiny qualifiers in this piece. I mean, you can elaborate on this more, but I was like, what is going on here? And I, I have to agree with the sentiment of one of the letter, the, the commenters, which said, where's this guy been for three years? Right. So, right. And it's Tom Fried, not Tom Friedman. Right. But Tom, Tom, Tom Frieden. So, so it's not terribly surprising that a public health guy would validate all that public health did, right? <laughs> but sure. it's always working against this counterfactual, which is if we hadn't done these things, this many people would have died. And it ignores places like Florida or Sweden, mm -hmm. which compared to their peers in population and population right. age had similar levels of excess death compared to Again, they're peers. But right. I want to point out something really striking about this, which is, as with so many public health officials, he got the numbers very, very wrong. Very wrong. And yep. he was called out on Twitter by a mom from Georgia, my, my buddy Kelly, if I may be as bold to call her that. We have spoken on the phone a couple of times uh -huh. about this stuff. And she has repeatedly embarrassed the CDC and other public health mouthpieces and offices and shamed them into changing these things. So he noted an earlier version, it's in the corrections now, but an earlier version of this incorrectly stated that deaths decreased in New York from 100 in mid-April a day to 40 a day two weeks later and two a day by July 1st. It was corrected to... COVID deaths in New York City declined from more than 700 a day to 300 a day two weeks later and 15 a day by July 1st. So Kelly is looking at her. She has extensive knowledge of COVID death statistics. Right. And she's looking at it. And she's like, oh, he just cited New York County. Like it was, I believe it was Manhattan by itself and not uh -huh. the other boroughs, perhaps. But is it not their job, not Kelly's, to know these facts? And does it not undermine much of the discussion in this essay if you don't know that basic thing? Yeah. As uh, a member of the New York Department of Health. Yes, exactly. So, like, when you're thinking about the author, for example, you know, was this just a minor oversight? Had he been operating on the wrong assumption accidentally? Or was he like, let's not talk about that? I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah. to me, it betrays that someone like Kelly tweeting from Georgia is more intimately familiar with the data yeah. than the people doing the public health decision making. Well, and and, that, and, that yeah. should not be the case. And, and let's not forget how the numbers were early on conflated between people who died who happened to have COVID versus people who died specifically because of COVID. Right. Right. And those people, obviously, that happened. You think about the nursing homes in New York. Right. That happened. But there are a lot of people who had other causes of death and they tested positive. But their testing positive was not the reason for the right. for death. Oh. And that's a, a big difference in the numbers. He does the whole thing that like masking was great and super effective. Of course, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that. Right. They can't find that evidence. In fact, I liked this paragraph. He did. He did note that the school closures were bad. And that I mean, I'll, I'll give him credit for these small things. The school closures are bad, and that that one of the problems with public health is that it was not moving with the data. So it would find a position and then just stick with that position. Stick with it. I agree yeah. with him. In the early days, you could have made some of these decisions if you had been able to dismount from those decisions later. But right. that is not what happened. I enjoyed this paragraph. The countries that did best responding to COVID, such as Canada, Singapore, and Israel, all followed a similar pattern. Now I want you to listen to what the pattern is. Until vaccines were available, they used masking and selective closures based on accurate real-time data just before a wave hit. They then reopened as soon as possible, quickly vaccinating those at higher risk and keeping vaccinations up to date. That last bit about selectively closing yeah. when things were high or when you really needed to for short periods of time and then opening as quickly as possible and then also vaccinating, oh, I don't know, you're old and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Was that not the DeSantis 
philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I no, mean, it won't uh, be, nobody will say it that way, yeah. but like that's that's what it was. You mean Death Sanus? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who apparently did a terrible job as governor. Well, you know. He's just Florida's a terrible place. He's doing a terrible yeah. job, and that's why yeah. everyone lives there. Except yeah, for that's us. Right. It was strictly the weather, according to some contenders, candidates. <laughs> so there's that. And then I wanted to update again, just just some it's been three years and we're looking at the fallout. It concerns me that the, many in public health won't admit that a lot of these things really were catastrophic failures because then you mm -hmm. can't fix them. One of the things that Tom Frieden suggests, of course, is more globally certified health boards that will recognize threats and have no care for our liberties in this country. That's that's the solution to all yeah, of this, you, by yeah, the way, you, that yes, it comes you, to. You, you know what makes things things better is we need more bureaucrats. Yeah. More more World Health Organization to Please. listen to China yeah. or more World Health Organization for us to ignore when they say maybe you don't have to mask two-year-olds. But whatever. Okay. So in Albany, we get news that New York will change what it takes for students to reach proficiency on state math and English language arts tests, calling last year's lower scores the new normal. That's reporting from the Albany Times Union. That's good I, stuff. We're doing great. At, at least they're owning it. And it's like, okay, you know, this is going to be the way it is now. And if you can't meet the grade requirement, lower the requirement. I mean, right? because yeah, because I, guess... I don't want to actually take, you know, the people in charge, you know, they, they don't actually want to pay a price for the learning loss. No, that's so, yeah, that's the so, thing. This is yeah. an attempt to hide yeah. the learning loss. That's right. But so they, they won't admit culpability. I and, guess points for yeah. being candid in the announcement here, which is like, oh. oh, yeah, we just can't do this job, guys. So just make it easier. Last year, yeah. some schools posted shocking results in Synecdoche. I'm Schenectady. Right. Schenectady. Sorry. Sorry, I'm not Northeastern, guys. That's right. I'm Southern. No eighth grader who took the math test scored as proficient, and the scores for the third through eighth grade tests throughout the state were much lower in 2022 than in 2019, a result, no doubt, <laughs> good, good job, re reporter, of the absence of in-person learning during the first year and beyond of the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. Let me just remind everyone, even though I know you guys totally know that we didn't have to do that, the rest of the world didn't do yeah. that. The, yeah, the, the one the, the one time we choose not to, you know, look at Europe as a I role know, model. Right? We tend to look at Europe as a role model for so many things, but when it comes to, you know, educating our kids in the time of COVID and also uh, abortion, <laughs> yeah. we tend to just we, we tend to look elsewhere. The, yeah, yeah, that's right. Just, just poo poo what those euros yeah. are doing. Yeah, yeah, I North love this Korea. quote too. Yes, there's learning loss between 2019 and 2022, but in some ways, we don't want to keep going backwards. We're at this new normal. So for New York, we are saying the new baseline is 2022. Resetting wow. the lowest scores that are considered proficient. Yikes. Give yourself and you know who is giving themselves a pat on the back always? The teachers oh, yes. unions. Can we talk about L.A.? In L.A., during the pandemic, of course, schools were closed to in-person learning for more than a year. One of my favorite moments from the pandemic was when in, some teachers in the L.A. area were giving in-person schooling to illegal immigrants in facilities near the border, but yeah. not to American school children. I'm like, yeah, OK, guys, room. are you trying to be the stereotype that you're, you're yep. trying to be a talking point right now? Which is, I'm not willing to do this for Americans, but I am willing to do it here. It was a, it was truly one of the more amazing moments. But L.A. school district stayed shut down for a really, really long time to in-person learning. It was finally forced back into it as all the large districts had to be because their unions were saying, no, 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 we can't go back. Well, they've been back for like, what, less than a year of real school. Yeah. And they're striking in L.A., they're, they're, they're on a three-day strike to demand higher salaries, in part for support staff and custodial staff and that kind of thing. And teachers are striking in solidarity, and they're sort of dancing in the street. There's some, some just joyous videos of teachers while the kids are not home. teaching. Yeah. While the yeah, they're doing a bit of a line dance in a crosswalk here, and it's clear that, that they don't have a lot of experience with it and someone's calling it out but they seem quite happy to be doing what they're doing again the chutzpah with the teachers unions in these places is really impressive so matt welch lays out some of the history of the last couple of years in the la school district just to give you some context for like 
the 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 actual right. audacity. <laughs> yes. It says still more students would have been turned away from the schoolhouse doors had the pesky legal system not gotten into the teacher's way in the fall of 2021. As part of the long-awaited full reopening of government-run public schools, the LAUSD imposed one of the nation's only vaccine mandates on students ages 12 and up. That requirement was scheduled to be backed by the physical barring of an estimated 34,000 unvaccinated students in December 2021, but the district postponed enforcement at the last minute, then was successfully sued by the parent of a non-compliant 12-year-old. That's after they fought to get them back in school. A few setbacks notwithstanding, the UTLA, which is the teachers' union, a remarkable number of pandemic era concessions, an extra $500 monthly childcare stipend, mandatory weekly testing of students and staff, outdoor masking requirements, and so on. And he says, in completely related news, LAUSD schools are facing chronic absenteeism, astounding declines in academic performance, and consecutive year enrollment drops of 4, 6, and 2%, which, because school funding is tied to enrollment numbers, is setting up the district's budgetary situation to be what Superintendent Alberto Carvalho has described as Armageddon. You guys are doing great. Yeah, they're doing it to themselves. We're losing we're losing kids. Please give us more money is uh, the situation, I believe. Matt also notes, like, just again, they're cartoonishly bad in this particular city yeah. and in Chicago as well. Yep. He notes that even though enrollment has gone down from a peak of seven hundred and forty seven thousand about twenty years ago to now four hundred thousand kids with charters going up 100,000 and homeschooling going up. So we're down kids. But during that time, all the time enrollment is falling, they went on a building spree all over the city using eminent domain wantonly to take out all sorts of landmarks to bulldoze them and make new schools where they're educating fewer children and, by the way, also not educating them. Right. So when I I saw the story, I was reminded because I... As some listeners know, I am the arts and culture editor now at the Free Beacon, and I was handling this really interesting review by Professor uh, David Schaefer from Holy Cross. It's a book of called uh, it Not Accountable by Philip Howard, right, who had written previously The Death of Common Sense, and this is about the public employees' unions. And so I was, you know, while this was happening, you know, he, he talks about the teachers' union especially and why they're so powerful. They make up a huge chunk, by the way, of delegates at the Democratic National Conventions. Yes. That's one thing. And I wanted to quote here, and this is from New York Public Schools, right? And so this is from David Schaefer's review. He writes, in 2019, Howard reports, a New York school principal was found to have, quote, created a fraudulent system of school achievement, end quote, in order to boost his record. Though he was dismissed, thanks to his union contract, quote, he will get full salary and benefits of over $265,000 annually for the next seven years. So this is what so we're dealing good. with. This is, and this, I mean, so I mean, Randy Weingarten, you know, she delivers for these. This is where she's very good at what she does. She indeed that, yes. Yeah. That the extortion the, part, she's real the good the at. Extortion she's, part. <laughs> I was going to say what she does. It's a whole other thing. <laughs> oh man, I'm. It it made me sad to see that. It makes me sad to yeah. see the public health just clinging to that. But, but we did have a nice. Now it can be told from the New York Times, just like you know, three years too late, saying, yeah, maybe you don't need to Clorox everything in your house. So we can be That's thankful right. for that. And and uh. stop and, and and stop spraying your mail. <laughs> Which was, they would, these are people I actually know, very nice, a very nice couple, the, the, the husband's a dermatologist, and, you know, they would leave it out in the garage for like a day. Yeah. Don't, don't touch well, it. Well, I do remember, again, it's all, there were, again, an allowance for some craziness for about a month there yeah. where we were all Yeah, I'll give you that for it. a month. <laughs> but we did have pretty good data yeah. pretty early. One, that outside was safe, and two, that young people were safe. And we just didn't heed those things. But I remember on my birthday, which was April 5th, 2020, so right in the thick of everything, some friends left a card for me on the stairs in a Tupperware because they weren't sure, like, do our germs stay on that? And am I supposed to give her a card? But it was very sweet of them to leave it. It just was in a special container. (laughs) And you incinerate, you incinerated the container. Obviously, I I burned everything after I looked at it. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So is it, is it a restmus yet? That's what some people were calling the uh, inevitable indictment oh, the Trump? of President Trump. Yes. I have to say he's pretty well. It's, I, it's, this, this is no surprise that some people will argue about how smart 
President Trump is. But I think one thing that we can all agree on is he's got very good political instincts and is very cunning. He's yeah. cunning because this preemptive announcement sort of threw, I think, Alvin Bragg, the DA's plans into chaos. I think that's what happened, because now you're hearing about dissension in the ranks. There's all this media attention. The House Republicans, of course, want to talk to Bragg, which has totally distracted him. And all the attention is back on Trump. Yes, that he is. And as of, this, as, is, as of this show, as of the show, he has not been arrested yet. Not been arrested. He's a true master at that. It says yeah. the Hill reports former President Trump set off a frenzy a few days ago when he declared without official word that he would be arrested on Tuesday. But the case against him in Manhattan has yet to turn up an indictment, lending an air of mystery to if and when yeah. the former president will be charged. Reports emerged earlier Wednesday that the grand jury hearing evidence in the probe would not convene on Wednesday, meaning an indictment won't come until Thursday at the earliest. We'll see if that changes by the time this airs. They're expected to get convene again, but we yeah. don't know what is going to come out of that. They're meeting Thursday, but are expected to hear another matter unrelated to Mr. Trump, the people said. This is reporting in the Wall Street Journal. It is common for grand juries in New York to hear multiple cases at a time. Grand That's jury right. schedules can be unpredictable because panels juggle cases with competing demands and deadlines, former prosecutors said. So here we have again, yeah, he, he sort of spun everyone up, but everyone's willing to be spun up. That's the, that is the magic of Trump and his yeah. ability to both spin up his supporters and spin up his haters at exactly the same time at exactly the same amount of frenzy. And I've always yeah. joked that it's like, it's two competing whirlpools and then the normal people are in the middle, just drowning. Like, can y'all just, can y'all just stop? <laughs> can y'all can just stop spinning right. for one minute? But nobody can, nobody no. can. No. And, and, and again, you know, Trump's enemies are so driven by wanting to do this. I mean, people said they don't, you know, there are people out there who don't care whether or not this actually in the end leads to a conviction and prison time. What, what they want, you know, what they want is the mugshot. They want right. the video of him in handcuffs, even though Alvin Bragg does not have a solid case. Right? Someone, I can't remember who it was, but someone wrote that the weakness of the case against him is part of the point, because the idea for many is that this guy is such a danger, and this has certainly played out over the years, this guy is such a danger to our democracy that it doesn't really matter what you mm -hmm. subvert in democracy to get to him, because that's how you're yeah. saving democracy. This is a very, I think, sort of a, this is a dangerous philosophy, and you can justify pretty much anything if you Well, if like you Al Capone tax evasion, in right. other words, is what we're saying. Although and so the weakness of the case is actually immaterial. Because the point yeah. is to say this guy is the problem and whatever right. process you get him by is the process you get him by. I think that's a bad idea. And again, this week in particular, it looks and I could be wrong by tomorrow. I have been many times before, but it looks like uh, not on this particular thing, though. It looks like once again, we've got the coyote and the roadrunner situation. Yep. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the coyote finally gets the roadrunner this time. Yeah, it doesn't be like, blow up you know, an Acme box in his face. It'll be like 4 a.m. on Sunday. They'll come knocking yeah. and take it like Khalid Sheikh Mohammed or something, you know, and they'll take the, you know, the picture of In him the meantime, the press is just riding an Acme unicycle off a cliff. Yeah, that's it. Every time, man. That's it. That's it. He tricked you again. Oh, I don't mean to make light of it, but it does feel like just deja vuing this thing. But they have to because they got to fill up all that airtime. We're going to go light mm -hmm. for the end of the show. And a debate. Wing it. Or planet. Travelers have, without itineraries, have itineraries have better vacations. And then there are two sides <laughs> arguing. So one says, no, without planning, you waste time and court boredom. And the other side said, yes, winging it leads to happy surprises and memorable travel experiences. What is, what, which side are you on, Vic? Oh, well, how much time do we have, Mary Catherine? You know what? How many hours? How many hours? The people love us. We can just keep going. Okay. I am, for people who know me, particularly my wife, a notorious planner. Okay. okay? I like to secretly, she doesn't know because I keep it in my phone, my little notes about like every day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and what are we doing in between? They don't know that because, you know, uh, uh, Notice those are the only three things on the plan. Just yeah, the no, eating. that's really the only thing. I, yeah, I mean, because okay, so for people who don't know, in a couple of weeks, actually, this will be something that will affect the show for two shows. I believe is I will be going to England, right? In a couple of weeks, I'm going off to England, and 
you know, whether you want, what sort of things you want to see, what do you want to do? And Kate asked me about this. And I said, I, I have three things, three things on my list, scotch, gin, and bitters. Pints, pints. Someone drink pints. Okay. So, but but that but it's actually more than three. It's English breakfast. It's right. it's the full deal. Toad in the hole, spotted dick. I don't care. I'll take it all. I'll take it all. That's Bubble what and she squeak. Said. All right. <laughs> so so, I we're not doing stormy dadles today. Yes. Oh, here's what I will say. Okay. Here's what I'll say. And I think about this. I would be if I'm not doing what I'm doing now. I would be a concierge. Wing it or plan it. It depends on your age. And okay. with whom you are traveling and your destination. You're alone. You're young. You're in college. Wing it. Great. Sleep under the stars. Sleep in it. I know people. My sister once had, and her friends, they, they had to sleep in a train station, you know, really? in France. Horrendous. Okay, not, I wouldn't do it. Makes for a great story. But you have kids in tow. You better know where you're eating, you know. But you're in the Caribbean. Fine. Chill. But... I don't want to show up. And, this, is, and it come, this comes from experience, Mary Catherine. When I used to get together once a year with my college buddies, and I need to do this more. I haven't done it in many, in many years now. But we would get together and go to some fun destination. And I wasn't a planner back then. And we went to, but I do like to eat. And we went to New Orleans, right? We went to New Orleans. Yep. This is exciting. We're in New Orleans. So it's no fat city. Where are we going to go? And... My college buddies being my college buddies, shrugged their shoulder. I don't care. Let's just go to Taco Bell. And then we no. Just, you know, yeah. So that's how they felt. I'm like, what about po' boy oysters and Napoleon yes. bar and muffalettas? And, you know, they couldn't care less. I care, which is why I want to do this. The other thing is, is this, you know, several years ago, we had this big trip, you know, with it was my fa It was the extended Dwyer clan, clan Dwyer. Right. And which is the whole Kate and her family. And it was great. We had a lot of fun in Cape May, New Jersey, which is a seaside resort. But if you're not planning you're going out on a Saturday night in the middle of the summer, just walking up to any good restaurant asking for a table for 10 is hard. Yeah, you okay? can't And they were younger. Now you party. can break it up. Now you can break it up. But it's, it's hard. And, I, I, and so, you know, I want my fried seafood platter. I'm going to plan. And so we did. And it was uh, no. fine. But somebody has to do it. Well, I can confirm that I have oh, been on yeah. a trip with Vic before. And in fact, oh, we saw some pictures yesterday, 10, <laughs> we 10 did, years 10 ago. Years. 10 years ago this week, we were in Mexico. And right. I believe on that trip, oh, yeah. it was yeah. probably my first experience just following Vic to whatever oh, restaurant this is, you, you know went to. We were, we, were, we were in Puerto Rico. We were in Puerto oh, Rico. Was, that was all town. Okay. No, I remember. Yes. I was just like, oh, I'll just follow Oh, him. I knew where to he, go. I knew where to go. He seems like he knows what he's doing. And we had a lovely lunch experience because of that. Oh. So I'm always, ever since then, happy to follow Vic, which is great because I don't plan. So, As long as somebody else is, that's okay. I don't care if somebody nice else plans match. it. So I, what, about, what about you, Mary Kat? So I am notoriously not a planner. Now, <laughs> the thing that's great about that is that in these modern times... You don't have to be as much because you can, you are equipped to find magical surprises much more quickly on, on your, your phone, phone at any time in any place. That right? is true. That so is true. I have, but I've never been much of a planner. And I have to say, you know, what I do on trips is I'll find a couple of must sees that I yeah. really don't want to miss. And I will, I will plan one or two of those, but not a full schedule. Yeah. And then the others, the other stuff is just like, come, come as it may. We will see yeah. many, we will see things. Now there, I like to not plan, but not to the point of danger. Right. So I've always been like a pretty, <laughs> yeah. Well, like, yeah, the point of like, sleeping in a train station, like fairly, yeah. Yeah. fairly safe yeah. person, mm -hmm. safe traveler, obviously a little bit more willing to take risks as a younger person than traveling with kids later. Although there have been plenty of times when I've been by the seat of my pants with my children, like we'll figure it out again. The phone is very useful for this in these yes. modern times. But recently I went with both of my big girls. We took a little girls weekend and we went out to the Shenandoah and I booked a Airbnb last minute, some random tiny house on a piece of farmland. And <laughs> I didn't look for any restaurants and we stopped by the side of the road where we saw this cute little place and had a great meal. We did the same with hikes and all of our meals while we were there. And I got to tell you, Vic, magical. It was magical. Well, I mean, some people have travel luck, right? And you, there are people who have travel luck, and you're one of them. I think we've been fairly fortunate ourselves. I, I, I again, I admit, again, in my single days, 
you know, some of the fondest travel memories I have were where you show up at a place and you're not sure what's going to happen. And then something, as you would say, magical happens. I was in St. Martin's once, you know, visiting a friend who was in medical school there at the time. And it was a bunch of my high school friends. You know, there was about five of us. We decided to really not part of the plan, was not expecting much, popped into this bar that was kind of a karaoke bar that was run by two ladies who did not like us and was like, you know, they did not want to play. They said, nobody's using the karaoke machine. Yeah. By the end of the night, they were singing with us. Oh, you know, they're, they're breaking out. See, this, this is you know, the thing, too too. If you're yeah. extroverted, you're going to get tips you from people. You're going to win people oh. over to oh. your side. They're going to you know, help you have a great time. So right. the tiny house that we stayed on, on the tiny, on the piece of farmland out in Shenandoah doing uh, who knows owns it. It turns out it's owned by this lovely woman who has teenage kids and they own a bunch of horses and they bring the big girls out to help feed and brush the horses. So we had like this lovely oh, interaction. We got told by a local that we should go up to the top of some mountain in the fire tower to watch the sunset just in time to get there. We ran up the oh. fire tower to watch the sunset. I think it was, we were maybe like just a tiny bit late for it. <laughs> you still got the glow. You got the glow. Yes. But, but those things, if you're, if you're scheduled to the nines, you don't, uh, yeah, you don't no. come across those things and I, you don't have I, the flexibility to take advantage of them. However, I understand yeah. that that can be torturous for people who like to have a plan. So I understand that's not enjoyable for everyone. It's, for me, it's the best. Yeah, I, I will admit, I will admit, like, you know, I, I planned out when years ago, we like in 2018, we went to Grand Cayman. And it was a lovely trip. I planned a lot of it. But one of the best nights was one that I didn't really have a plan for. And we just happened to hang out at the hotel as the sun was going down and the food was surprisingly good at the whole deal. You know, it was like, wow, this is all happening. And it was just the most mellow time. And I still think fondly of it. That said, and I'm sure people are going to tell me this, the listeners who've been to England, I did get, as everyone was telling me, tickets for the British Museum the Churchill War Rooms, the Tower of London, and Stonehenge on all different days Nice, because you need tickets now for a lot of these things. You can't just, you know, it's easier, especially on a big holiday week, you got to have tickets. But I do want to, I'm sure my wife is listening to the show. I did a lot, some free time, for example, on Thursday from 3 to 3.15. You could look around. <laughs> Breathe. You good can breathe. Stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. So good sights. Okay. But one last thing. I know we're, we're giving you guys the the it's real deal today. One time, I you know you know that sort of sitcom trope where the crazy college friend comes to town and everyone has a wild night and reminisces <laughs> yes. about all the wild nights they used to have yes. in college. Okay. Yes. Yes. So my crazy college friend came to town in D.C. shortly after I moved here and I was living you know in Crystal City in some little split up rental house and she comes to visit and she's always wild and you never know what you're going to get with her and her name's Carrie and so Carrie comes to the house and she tells us that she met a guy who owns a limo company when she was getting picked up at the airport and she chatted him up and he's going to come pick us up later tonight and we're like sure sure Carrie and sure enough some guy shows up Oh, come on. In a giant limo for a take us out in, in Adams Morgan that night. And I call my friends and I say, come over to the house. We got a limo. And he was dubbed Dr. Michael. I'm not sure why his name was Dr. Oh, I'm Whatever. sure there's a, oh, I think I know why. So it's like Do the Beatles song, Dr. Robert. I Dr. think we Dr. Michael know. comes yeah. and he takes us up to you. Adams Morgan. And of course, you know, with a bunch of 25 year old women is, you know, happy to oblige us. And we go to Adams Morgan. And at one point he has to use that limo for someone else. So he goes back to his limo limo fleet trades it out and sure enough texts us at like midnight to come out of a bar and we come out to a hummer limo oh <laughs> the hummer, limo, hummer yeah. limo with lights on the inside yeah. and everything and totally uh, not conspicuous right and got got shown into this limo and everyone in adam's morgan's like who are these people and we're like nobody we're no one but our tour guide is carrie and so we ended up at a friend's house having a, an after party and did someone among my friends, possibly two, make out with Dr. Michael at some point? Yeah, maybe so. I'm not going to oh, name any names. Wow. wow. Was not this chick. In fact, I think I was the one going, get your asses in the house, ladies. <laughs> Cash tips Dr. Michael, yeah, yeah. Doc, Dr. Michael has got the, he's got the cure. Yeah. He's got the cure. It was a night. Anyway, magical things can happen. <laughs> Thank you. Well, 
Should we all let's all let's all soak that one in. And in the meantime, that'll wrap up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorino Mattis. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. Thanks for being with us. You know what? I know if you guys had known the story about my kiddo, you would have been been praying. So I appreciate it, even though you didn't know. And hopefully, she will just continue to be on the up and up. We are appreciative of all the wonderful care we got at Innova Fair. Children's Hospital, and I'll keep you guys updated. We're happy to have her back, chitty chatty, almost as chatty as her mother. It's amazing. Can you imagine how many words Steve hears per day? Amazing. (laughs) Thank you for being with us and getting hammered responsibly. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast.